Welcome. Welcome to the weekend. Everybody up. This is Herded Here with Swanee on 740 The Fan. You'll get the insight and latest information on North Dakota State football. From the tailgate lot to the football field, our countdown is on. Here's your host of Heard It Here, Josh Swanson. Bringing in the new year, 2020, at the tailgate and lots of Toyota Stadium in Frisco, Texas. One week from right now, Bison Nation. One week, seven days, seven short days from right now, January 11th. The Bison, your herd, the undisputed undefeated heavyweight champs of the FCS have one of the biggest Frisco showdowns in recent memory as they take on the Ivan Drago of FCS, the hated, the putrid James Madison Dukes who roll into this contest 14-1 and with a little bit of an edge thinking they're really the best team and program in the FCS. And I've got Something to say about that. A lot to talk about this morning on Heard It Here with Swanee on 740 AM, The Fan, 107.3 FM. Check out our show page at 740thefan.com. want to thank our fantastic sponsors, Seberg Power Sports, Walton's Tire Service, Yankee Insurance, Altendorf Trucking and Express, and Norwood Sales. Here's my beef with that. North Dakota State has won seven of the last eight FCS titles, and this this is a different game. Those other championships, the experience, going down to Frisco, the preparation, that's important. That matters. Once you strap it up and get on the field playing a team as good as James Madison, who has been to two championships in the last four years, they understand that process as well. So winning seven of the last eight that's not going to decide the game next Saturday. That's that's not where I'm coming from. Where I'm coming from is this is a team in James Madison whose biggest accomplishment in the last decade is beating North Dakota State in the Fargo Dome in 2016. And national media folks and the experts talk about these two FCS powers, these two Titans unmatched. You got one Titan. You don't have two. You have one team that has won seven of the last eight FCS titles. You have one team coming into this game 15-0 and wire-to-wire number one. You have a team in the other corner who thinks they're on the same level, but they are not. They've won one national championship in the last decade. Yeah, they made another title game where they lost to the Bison, but they're really... Sam Houston State is James Madison light. Sam Houston State's gotten to title games. They've lost title games. They've been pretty good over the course of the last decade. So has Eastern Washington. The difference between James Madison and those teams is that JMU beat North Dakota State once. That's it. Now, James Madison wants to change that narrative. They're very well aware of that. From their coaches to their players to their administration, they know that North Dakota State is the panacea, the be-all, end-all, the team that everybody on the national level, the folks at ESPN and ABC and USA Today, they're talking about the Bison. You're going to hear all about the Bison 
this weekend as Carson Wentz and his Eagles play in an NFC wildcard game against the Seattle Seahawks. James Madison's got some dudes playing in wildcard games this weekend. You're not going to hear their names at all. No one's going to talk about them. They're talking about the Bison. JMU wants to change that narrative. They feel that they let one go in 2017 down in Frisco, Texas. They feel like they were the better team. And the Bison didn't win that game, but they lost it. You can hear that in comments from some of the players that were around in that game, from some of James Madison's coaches anecdotally reading between the lines, and especially their fan base. And if you watched that game, that game was tight, friends, 17 to 13. And the difference was one home run play from Darius Shepard, a third and 14 around midfield in the juggernaut Easton stick, find Shep for a touchdown in the second quarter. That was the margin of victory. That was a touchdown that made the difference. James Madison got into NDSU's red zone a couple times, including in the first half. They took a punt, returned it inside the 15, had to settle for a field goal. They had a couple turnovers knocking on NDSU's door. Nate Tangaway and Marquise Bridges had some big interceptions. NDSU's defense was lights out that day. And had James Madison made one more play, that was the difference in the football game, Bison Nation. One more play. North Dakota State made one more play than James Madison did. That decided the national championship. And I don't expect it to be any different a week or a week from now in Frisco, Texas. James Madison's got some dudes. Carter on the defensive side, their Walter Payton finalist. That dude can play. That dude can flat out ball. He's a defensive end. And you got this guy named Daka, number seven, on the other side who's a defensive end. They're good. They are good, man. I went back. I've watched their Weber State game, watched their Northern Iowa game, doing the research and development prestige worldwide. You invest with Swanee. Defensively, they are stout. Now, you and I, what struck me, you and I doesn't have much offensively, if anything. They were able to... To run the ball a little bit on the interior, but that was it. And when you're one-dimensional, I've said it a bajillion times, when you are one-dimensional, you and I couldn't throw the ball. They couldn't get around the edge. JMU bottled them out. They shut them out. To shut out any team is impressive, especially in the quarterfinals. But for their part, James Madison, this vaunted offense that's putting up an FCS best, uh, what are they... They're, well, they're third in scoring defense, 10th in rush offense, first rush defense, first in point differential. They're putting up like 40 points per game. I think that's tops in the FCS. If I remember the graphic they showed during the famous Idaho Potato Bowl between Nevada and Ohio yesterday, they're number one in the country in scoring offense. You and I kept them to 10 points. 10 points until the final two minutes of the game. You and I is trailing 10 to 0. They've got the ball deep in their own territory, backed up in the shadow of their own end zone, towering above them. They had to go for it on fourth and long. You and I gets tackled at their own one yard line. The next play, JMU has a one yard touchdown plunge to make it 17 to 0. So James Madison's offense only put up 10 points against UNI's defense. I think North Dakota State's defense 
is the best in the country. The numbers bear that out. North Dakota State, number one scoring defense, number one pass defense, second total defense. The playmakers across the board at every position group, defensive line, Tuska, dude, linebacker core, Jabril Cox, dude, secondary, Bridges, Hayes, Tutsi, and Hendricks, dudes. North Dakota State has the best defense in the country. If you and I held James Madison to more or less 10 points, I'm not giving him credit for that garbage touchdown. That was a product of the game situation. James Madison wasn't 17 points better than you and I. They were a touchdown and a field goal better. NDSU's defense isn't giving up 40 points to James Madison. Ben DiNucci, I'll tell you this, Bison fans. We talked about it on the Bison Illustrated podcast this week. You remember Ben DiNucci, JMU's senior quarterback. Last year in a second-round playoff game, throwing five interceptions against Colgate. He's cleaned that up. He's got five picks on the season. I think he added a sixth pick. He's got five on the year. He had a pick against uh, UNI in the red zone. Real bad decision. JMU's knocking on the door. He throws an INT in the red zone. He's a good quarterback. He is a dang good quarterback. He can make plays with his feet. He's good at eluding the rush. He sees downfield, and he can get rid of the football. What struck me watching the UNI game, as I go back and I watch these games 40, I think you have to, to get an idea of what the other team does. JMU is 10th in the nation in rush offense at 248 yards per game. And you're going you're gonna to hear in this upcoming week that much like North Dakota State, they do a running back by committee. They got four or five guys averaging over 30 yards per game rushing. They're not pounding the ball, or at least against you and I and Weber State. They weren't punishing the middle of that offensive line and running power up the gut. They do their damage on the edge. They've got athletes, and I mentioned Sam Houston State. Watching JMU's offense operate schematically reminded me of what some Sam Houston State teams under Jeremiah Briscoe did. They like to attack the perimeter and the edges. They do a lot of these quick passes, these slip screens, these bubble screens. They do a nice job getting rid of the football. And their wide, I'll tell you what, their wide receivers do a nice job blocking downfield, much like North Dakota State's wide receivers. On their first touchdown against Northern Iowa, they got away with an offensive pass interference. Their receivers, they had like a trips left. Danucci does a quick pass out to, to one of his guys, I think Hamilton, the kid that transferred in from Penn State. He's a guy that you've got to contain him. He's got he's got afterburners, much like Phoenix Sproles does. Keep an eye on him. So they do a quick little pass to the left to him. And the two Stapleton brothers, there's Riley Stapleton, the dude that was arrested over the summer for false imprisonment. I'm not I'm not being a, a jokester here. This is true. You can look it up. Riley Stapleton, a good receiver, North Dakota State shut him down the last title game. He was arrested over the summer for false imprisonment and like locking his girlfriend at a closet at a house party and getting so blackout, pass out drunk, he says he doesn't remember any of it. Of course, JMU doesn't suspend him or take any disciplinary action, but that's neither here nor there. His brother's a tight end, a really good tight end, big body dude for the Dukes. The two of them were blocking downfield, and they started blocking and holding before the pass was even thrown 
more than five yards downfield. That's offensive pass interference. They got away with it. First first play of the game, literally first play from scrimmage, UNI kicks off. JMU does a run to one of their backs. Their back clearly fumbles it. Clearly fumbles it at JMU's own 27-yard line. They go to instant replay. Our buddy and Shroff from ESPN is doing the game. Him and the other guy in the booth say, there's no way. There's no way they're overturning this call. There's not enough evidence to do that. Plus, he fumbled. The refs reverse it, say, oh, no, no, no fumble. James Madison, to their credit, they they took advantage of field position and, and ultimately turned that into points. They got a field goal out of the drive, if I'm remembering correctly. But JMU likes to attack the perimeter. They get rid of the ball quick, and they're very good at creating third and short situations for Danucci. He's a senior quarterback, and they do a nice job picking up those first downs. They're not going to be a team that's going to jam the ball down North Dakota State's throat. They're going to look to get the ball in their skill kids' hands and let them make some plays in the open field. Now, North Dakota State this year and in the past traditionally has been very good at open field tackling. They've been very good at corralling guys. I expect they'll try to do that. That's going to be an important part of the football game. When JMU, they do the RPO stuff, their quarterbacks and shotgun quite a bit. When he's dishing the ball out on these quick passes, North Dakota State is going to have to tackle that ball carrier and not let him run for six, seven yards. If they can do that, they're going to keep the Dukes, much like you and I did most of the night, in second and third and long. Now, the same can be said for North Dakota State's offense. NDSU's got the best offensive line in the country. JMU's got two of the best defensive ends in the country. They're going to need to block up Carter and Daka. These these dudes are two of the best. Two of the best. I'm not pulling any hyperbole or throwing cliche at you. You watch those guys, you say, wow, those guys can play football. NDSU's going to have to do a better job vis-a-vis what they've done well, in 2017 against James Madison and in the playoffs at times. Now, Montana State, I'd love that. The way NDSU attacked, how they were aggressive. If you go back to the Heard It Here before the Montana State game, we told you. I'll have Chase Miller from 740 AM, the fan on. He's a little more humble than I am. I'll, I'll pat ourselves on the back and say, go listen to the tape because we told you how that game would break down. I expect North Dakota State will attack, will be aggressive, We'll look to get the ball to playmakers like Watson and Sproles on the perimeter. We'll look to use some of those running backs like Ty Brooks out of the backfield. We'll look to throw the ball some on first down to loosen up that soft underbelly of the Dukes defense because you're not going to be able to run the ball 40 times for 350 yards. I think you're going to need to sprinkle in those play-action passes to loosen up the defense to get those linebackers and DBs to start sucking back to run the ball effectively. This game's going to come down to whichever quarterback does a better job of two things. One, taking care of the football. Easton Stick was the MVP of the 2017 title game against JMU. Easton Stick didn't have his best day. But Easton Stick took care of the football. Brian Shore did not. Brian Shore had some critical interceptions that Easton Stick did not have. Trey Lance and Ben DiNucci are both their conference offensive players of the year. Which one of those guys is going to do a better job not putting his defense in an untenable position? Because for as good as these offenses are, 
I don't think either offense is going to march down the field consistently all day long, 10 plays for 70, 75 yards. I think if a opportunistic defense can create a short field for their offense, that team is going to have an advantage, and one turnover could be the difference. But here's the other thing. I think North Dakota State is going to trust Trey Lance to make some plays and just not say, hey, take care of the ball, don't lose this for us. you got to turn that guy loose. He's a Walter Payton finalist. Did you see the plays against Montana State? Dropping the dime in the bucket to Christian Watson, scrambling around on a third down. Guys flying around all over the place, finding Dimitri Williams downfield for a touchdown. I think Trey Lance, even though he's a freshman, is a better playmaker than Ben DiNucci. And I think in a tightly contested game, in the closing stages of the fourth quarter, it's going to come down to one of those quarterbacks, DiNucci or Trey Lance, making a play and taking his team on a drive to decide the national championship. I think that's going to be the difference. We've got an action-packed Herded here with Swanee this morning on 740 AM. The fan Chase Miller is in the studio. We're going to talk about this James Madison Dukes team. We've got some sound from Matt Entz and Kirk Signetti, the first-year head coaches of the respective programs. We'll get to that, and we're also going to talk about memories of Frisco past, some of the key plays and key moments from the championships from 2011 to 2018 right here on heard it here with swanee on 7:40 a.m the fan listen here buys and country as swanee and the rest of the folks at the home ranch lasso up the good bad and mostly the ugly the really ugly like a hard day and night of tailgating for 15 hours ugly of NDSU's opponents on the Thundering Herd cast. Oh, the rumors, they are a-flying this morning. The rumors. I'm getting, I'm not going to dignify the rumors. I just got an interesting Twitter message. We'll find out there's anything more to it later in the week i know i know you hate it when someone does that right i i got a secret but uh i can't tell you well i got a secret folks but i can't i can't tell you because i haven't verified it and that would just be irresponsible reporting here on heard it here with swanee on 7:40 a.m the fan want to thank our show sponsor seaberg power sports welton's tire service yonke insurance altendorf trucking and express and norwood sales make sure if you're heading down to Frisco, you're going to be there Friday. Stop by and visit with us at Wild Pitch. We'll be broadcasting pretty much all day from the Wild Pitch Live. Stop by. I'll have a pint with you. I ain't scared. We'll have a good time talking about the Bison. we got a great guest lineup, KFGO, the Mighty 790, wall-to-wall coverage. And Saturday morning, one week from right now, Chase Miller, we've got her Locked down from 7 a.m. to 10.30 all the way up to Westwood 1's pregame coverage at 10.30. And then the national title game will kick off on these airwaves. So we're going to have a lot to talk about in the next week. Yeah, we always like to thank our friends at Westwood 1. They do a bang-up job. You know, you've been probably hearing the promo right now once or twice from two years ago when they, they beat James Madison, and we have those that archived and saved. And, 
you know, they're going to do a normal job like if you would hear an NFL game on, on Sunday or Saturday later today or if you hear one of their college football games throughout the year. I mean, they, they treat it like it is a Army-Navy or it is a big-time uh, game. And, you know, they're going to have a crew down there. And I remember last year the the uh, sideline reporter, she was tying with Darius Shepard and Easton Stick, you know, after they rose the trophy and kind of did the post-game recap with them. And then obviously after that, Derek Hansen will have about an hour coverage of our post-game. So from 7 o'clock in the morning, Swanee, till probably roughly 3.30 if you want your Bison football bonanza coverage right here Saturday morning on The Fan. We got you covered. Watch it, talking about the title game, getting into that a little bit here. These two teams on paper are statistically, they're they're equals, what they've done. And the CAA was down this year. James Madison only played in the regular season one opponent that made the playoffs in Villanova. North Dakota State played a bunch of teams that made the playoffs. Illinois State, South Dakota State, Northern Iowa. When you look at the numbers, though, offensively, the total yards they've put up, both teams over the course of a 15-game season to this point are within 100 yards of each other. When you take a look at defensively, the number of yards they've given up, both teams are within 100 yards of each other. Both teams have a ton of tackles for loss, have done a great job in the takeaway department, are good on third down. There are so, so many things in a game like this, and it's it's almost cliche to say it, but I, I, as I mentioned before the break, I think it comes down to which quarterback has a better game. And I'm interested to see what are your thoughts. I think after these two teams played each other in 2017, knowing how good the defenses are now, and I know there's first-year head coaches on each side, but it's not like either of these programs have reinvented what they've done. In fact, Josh, let's uh, cue up that sound from Matt Entz talking about his biggest concern was making sure the Bison just looked like the Bison in his first year. Probably the, the number one thing, uh, or my greatest concern, it goes all the way back to spring ball, was making sure that it still looked like Bison football. Uh, how we practiced, how we go about our work during the during the week, how, how we attack the weight room, how Coach Kramer works with our student-athletes in the summer. That was my greatest fear, and uh, you know, I mentioned his name earlier. Coach Hedberg was was uh, Tyler Roll. We're, we're both two guys that I leaned upon greatly during that process. Of course, as a new head coach, it doesn't matter what program. You always there, there's things that you maybe want to tweak or change, but I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. Of course, I wanted it to continue to look like and feel like Bison football when you walked on the practice field. So that was the thing that I constantly probably had a thought process of is making sure is, is this bison football are we practicing bison bison like um and so that was my greatest concern uh being a, a first year head football coach uh some of the just the, the the number of things that you have to have maybe your your hands on uh, during the course of a season um sometimes it's frustrating i want to spend more time with the defensive staff but uh there's other things that are that are that are pulling at you uh, especially when you're at a, a program like ndsu but um, the great thing about it is i had a lot of a lot of help uh, great support not only from our administration uh but we got a great coaching staff here at NDSU as well. That's Coach Matt Entz talking about the Bison looking like the Bison being the Bison and his first year, Josh Linus, bringing us the sound on that. And Matt Entz was a defensive coordinator during that 2017 title game. Randy Hedberg was the quarterback coach. Nick Gazer was around there. Tyler Roll was around there. Some continuity. I expect, Chase, that the coaching staffs 
watching the film of their respective opponent here, North Dakota State and JMU, they're going to understand that they're not going to be able to methodically march the ball down the field. I think they're going to know a play here or there is going to decide the course of the game. I think both teams are going to be aggressive and be aggressive early, and we're going to see them take some shots down the field to try to take advantage of the the playmakers they each have and moving the ball and flipping the field, trying to get these big chunk plays. So I expect when you take a look at this game coming in a week that we're going to see more big plays and shots down the field than we did in 2017. Yeah, and the one thing with James Madison compared to NDSU with some of the coaches you were talking about, Swanee, is James Madison's got a completely different new coaching staff. I mean, Mike Houston took the kitchen sink, the towel. I mean, you know, when he went to East Carolina, he brought everybody with him from James Madison, and JMU and Kurt Sinetti pretty much had to start uh, from scratch. Now, obviously, Kurt Sinetti's been around the business before. He's been around the block in coaching, so... You know, he knew enough people to, you know, get a new staff and get that ready to go at James Madison. And I'm more impressed by James Madison's year, Swanee, that their only loss is a single-digit loss to open the year in Morgantown at West Virginia. The fact that they've been able to do this with a new head coach, a new system for the most part, but I don't think the system's that different. But, you know, different wrinkles, different philosophies to what GMU's done. I think that's impressive that they've been able to have be consistent, you know, get as many wins as they've done this year and only have one loss. With that being said, when it comes to the actual game, I mean, if you told me right now what would be your, not point spread, but combined points, I'd be like 35. I mean, just look at the first time that they played, and even two times ago. I mean, when the game was in the Fargonome, points were hard to come by still at times. And if you're going to take your shot, you better hit your shot. You know, if you got someone going down the field that's Riley Stapleton for James Madison for 30 yards, he better catch that football. If you're North Dakota State and you got Christian Watson and Phoenix Sproles running on the outside and they get open on a one-on-one matchup, you better make that throw for Trey Lance and you better catch that football because you're not going to get opportunities like against a Montana State defense that NDSU was taking shots down the field to Christian Watson, missed the first time by a hair. Second time, it looked almost like Trey Lance just threw the ball away a little bit into the sideline and said, okay, we'll, we'll live to play another day. And then the third time, finally hit him. I don't know against James Madison if you can finally hit him on the third time. You know, you're probably going to have to hit him on the first time and then take advantage once you get inside the red zone. The one key here is you look at James Madison's kicker, he's got some range. I mean, he, he can he can make them from 45 close to 50 yards, and he's done pretty well special teams-wise. And going back to the first championship game for North Dakota State. Disastrous. It, you know, it came to certain matchups when it comes to special teams. I can go back to the Sam Houston State championship game, very first year down there. What happened for the Bison? A Matt Voigtlander special teams fake punt. If you're talking about something that can change the course of the game when you have two teams that look so good to one another, you better convert once you get in the red zone, even if it's three. Because if you miss a field goal or a block field goal, Swanee, that can be disastrous to your point and to your word at the end of the day. So if you're going to take those shots, you can't hit the third time. You're going to have to hit it the first time. And the last thing is you got to get it in for six. As Chris Kleiman says, field goals aren't going to beat you. But when it comes to James Madison and NDSU, at points being a premium, you better kick the field goal and put some points on the board, man. We're going to talk about the importance of special teams when we come back on Heard It Here with Swanee. In 2017, special teams almost cost North Dakota State the game. They give up a long fake punt that JMU turned into an opportunity to win the game late in the closing minutes. And even last year against Eastern Washington, a fake field goal before halftime kept the Eagles in the game. And North Dakota State in 2017 against JMU had a field goal blocked 
with about five, six minutes left. I would have given them a six-point lead and a bunch of big punt returns. You can't do that next Saturday because things like that will make a difference in the football game. We're going to talk about that and some more Frisco memories and talk about this matchup uh, and heard it here with Swanee at 740 AM, The Fan, 107.3 FM, and 740thefan.com. Little smashing pumpkins, rocking and rolling on a Saturday morning here on 7:40 a.m. The fan. This is herded here with Swanee Josh Swanson, along with Chase Miller, Josh Linus, running the boards. I want to thank Seaberg. Power Sports, Welton's Tire Service, Yonke Insurance, Altendorf Trucking and Express, and Norwood Sales. Make sure you stop by Wild Pitch next next uh, Friday afternoon, KFGO and 740 The Fan. Teaming up, we've got wall-to-wall coverage down in Frisco, KFGO all Friday afternoon and Saturday morning right here on 740 AM. The Fan starting at 7 AM in the morning. Early morning tailgating, listening to Heard It Here in FCS Saturday with Chase Miller, uh, let's play that uh, other sound cut that we have from Coach Entz, Josh, uh, talking about JMU under Kirk Signetti. Well, you know, you see a little bit of difference as far as, uh, you know, maybe the makeup of, of what they're doing um, from a defense and offensive standpoint. Just, uh, uh, I'm sure they have, diff- I know they have different coordinators. Uh, you know, of course, they have Coach Montgomery, who's their offensive coordinator, who, uh, you know, we had to prepare for a year, years and years while he was an offensive coordinator at Youngstown State. So a little bit of familiarity for our program with him or with his name, at least. But the things that, that you see that are consistent, Talented football players, player and young men that play with with a ton of energy and execution, and, and so. Uh, but there there is a lot of familiar names I see out there as well. Uh, you know, a guy like Riley Stapleton. Remember seeing him in the game. Um, you know, so I mean, there there is some carryover as far as you know with the number of seniors that they have playing for them right now. Uh, you know, there, there are some there, there's some familiarity as just like personnel, like you had mentioned. I think these two teams are going to attack each other differently, but at the end of the day, Chase Miller, you take a look at the numbers over the course of 15 games. North Dakota State has the top scoring defense in the country, only giving up 11.8 points per game. James Madison is third in the country, only giving up 14.8 points per game. James Madison has the number one team as far as total defense, only yielding 264.7 yards per game. North Dakota State isn't very far behind, They're second in total defense, giving up 269 yards per game. So I don't think this is a game where either fan base or program is going to think 30 or 40 points. The over seems really high to me because I think it's like 55 or 60 or something. I think this is going to be a game a lot like NDSU's game down in Brookings against South Dakota State. The first team to 23 points. I think we'll win the football game. I don't I don't see either one of these teams hitting 30 points. I think it's going to be a defensive battle. Both teams, both teams, what's interesting is offensively, they're both very efficient and good in the red zone. Although against Illinois State and Nickel State, this playoffs, North Dakota State had some struggles. James Madison, same with them. They've had some issues in the red zone against you and I throwing that pick. The red zone defenses are very good. And we've talked about how important that is in the playoffs. Special teams for one. You can't give up those punt returns. You can't let a kick get blocked. You can't give up a fake. 
And in the red zone, you've got to turn touchdowns into field goals. If you're North Dakota State, you got to turn touchdowns into field goals. And if you're James Madison, same thing. You don't want to get down into the red zone knowing that points are going to be at such a premium and you're not going to have many opportunities to score touchdowns. The team that does a better job of that is probably going to win the football game because these two defenses, and I know, I know I've said it earlier this morning, and I'll say it again, you, you watch these two teams play and you see on the defensive side how good they are, how disciplined they are. I, I just don't see either team getting to that 30, 40 point threshold. Yeah, you're not going to see a lot of missed tackles or missed tackles consistently. You know, you might see it on a drive or two, but you're not going to see it from, you know, the first quarter to the fourth quarter where the first guy's going to miss, and then maybe the second guy might wrap up, and then the third guy finally gets him. I mean, it doesn't happen too often when you start taking a look at the names on both sides of the football and what they bring back and how they've just been able to play a physical football game. And, you know, I know that there is a question asked in the teleconference, is this a rivalry or not? And to a degree, I guess you could say on a national aspect, sure, it's a little bit of a rivalry because both teams have been so in the national narrative in FCS football for the last four years specifically, but it's not for NDSU playing South Dakota State, right? It's not playing a Missouri Missouri Valley team where you have a little bit more on the line every day. With that being said, I would love JMU and NDSU to have a home-and-home series. I really would. I don't think it's going to happen because if you want an FBS opponent, then you're going to play a really good top-tier FCS team before you look at anyone else in your schedule. Heaven forbid you lose an FBS game and you lose to, respectively, NDSU or JMU, depending on what side of the football you're on. All of a sudden, you got two losses, Swanee. And two losses? That's not going to cut it for a one or two seed typically in the FCS playoffs. So you're looking to get winnable games on your non-conference schedule so that way when you play against the Villanovas or the Stony Brooks for James Madison or the UNIs and the Youngstown States for NDSU you feel pretty good uh, about yourself and the one thing and I know this is going to be a storyline too is going to be the quarterback play right Trey Lance and Danucci they're very similar Danucci can run he's got over 500 rushing yards on the season Trey Lance he's leading the team for North Dakota State in rushing right now so you kind of look back to what they can do. I mean, Ty Brooks has been up there for the for the season, Cofield. But every week, you just kind of look at Trey Lance and go, wow, Lance is climbing the charts when it comes to NDSU rushing on a day-in and day-out basis and what he can do with his legs. And even if he doesn't run the football, that broken play against Montana State where he found Dimitri Williams on a backyard play where he was going to scramble, looked like he was going to run, then all of a sudden he kept his eyes down the field, found number four down there and threw it to him. So when you look at this matchup, as much as we want to talk about the defenses and the special teams, in football it always starts and ends with your quarterback. At the end of the day, it starts and ends with your quarterback. And if one quarterback outperforms the other, that's going to have a huge leg up, I believe, Swanee, at the end of the day. If the Trey Lance, for example, goes 15 of 20 for 200 yards, two touchdowns, zero picks, and has 10 rushes for 50 yards, and you look at Danucci's numbers, and let's say Danucci goes 13 of 26, with uh, one, 150, one touchdown and one interception and only has seven rushes for 20 yards, well, I would say before I look at anything else, NDSU would win that football game. And you can reverse the numbers for James Madison. If if, if Danucci had those numbers, I would say JMU's probably going to win the football game. That's before I look at anything else. That's how critical when you get into games like this where Easton Stick, Carson Wentz, and the years before, they stepped up in the championship game and found ways to win. That's what it's going to take again for Trey Lance for the first time now to be under the bright lights as an NDSU quarterback in Frisco to win another championship and try to get eight and nine years for NDSU. To follow in the footsteps of a Brock Jensen and a Carson Wentz and an Easton Stick competing for a national 
championship in his freshman year. And the numbers between these two quarterbacks are remarkably similar. Here's how they break down in 15 games. Trey Lance is 186, has 186 completions and 277 attempts. That's good for a 67.1 completion percentage. He slung the ball for 2,700 yards. He has the much-talked-about 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions. He's averaging 180.9 yards per game passing. His passer efficiency rating is a FCS best, 182.8. For his part, Ben DiNucci, his passer rating right up there, 173.05. He's completed 246 of 345 passes for an FCS best, 71 0.3% completion rate. He's got 27 touchdown passes to five interceptions. He's throwing it for 215.8 yards per game for about 3,200 yards. So statistically, when you look at those numbers over the course of a 15-game season, here's what they say to me. When those guys need to make plays, they're capable of making plays. They don't turn the ball over. They're very smart. They take care of the football. And I think you're absolutely right with those numbers at the end of the game. If you look at them and they're where they're at as far as attempts and completions, that'll go a long ways in deciding the outcome of this football game because the quarterback's going to, I think it's going to come down to a quarterback in the fourth quarter, which quarterback is not, not only not going to make the big play, because I think that's important. It gets overlooked a little bit. In 2017, a big difference was Easton Stick did a better job taking care of the football than Brian Shore. Brian Shore had those crucial interceptions when JMU was knocking on the door. That was the difference in the football game. And you look at both teams and their weapons. Well, NDSU, we've talked about all year, Christian Watson and and Phoenix Sproles, and they're healthy, what they can do on either a jet sweep, what they can do for plays down the field. Well, James Madison's got a couple dudes as well. Brandon Polk, he's played in all 15 games this year, Swanee. He has 73 receptions for over 1,100 yards and 11 touchdowns. Okay, He's he's their shifty guy. He's under 5'10". He looks like me and you on the fast. Fo- football Lightning field. Lightning fast. But, but he's got way better speed than you or me ever, ever had. And then you got the possession guy in Riley Stapleton. And remember, Stapleton had over 100 yards last time they played in the title game in 2017 for that FCS National Championship. And on the year for him, his numbers aren't as good. But when you have a guy like Polk, you're probably going to get him out in space, very similar to like a Johnson, right, that's down in uh, Brookings for South Dakota State, a guy that can really get to the boundary and burn you and burn the secondary, but Riley Stapleton, possession receiver, you know, six foot, what, five, six foot four, roughly, and, you know, 55 receptions for 688 yards and eight touchdowns on the year. So just like a Watson and Sproles, JMU, and this is where I, I know this gets used a lot and it almost sounds like a football coach and a cliche, but when you look in the mirror, these two teams look like each other. They like to play physical and they got similar playmakers where you can talk about one or two linebackers for NDSU. You're going to talk about one or two linebackers from James Madison that look like the same thing. You're going to talk about a Derek Tuska for North Dakota State. You're going to go on James Madison defensive line and find a guy that looks very similar to a Derek Tuska. That's what I start when I break down these numbers. And whether it's a Polk with a Sproles or or a Stapleton with the Watson, you can say it goes back to the quarterback spot. Just like if it's Game Seven in a World Series and you outdo your opposing pitcher. You're probably going to win. <laughs> so that's where you're kind of going once you get to this FCS title. Brandon Polk, the JMU transfer from Penn State. OJ Obache is their running back, their leading rusher. He's a good football player. What I'm interested to see, Chase, next Saturday, on first down plays, how do these offenses attack 
the defenses because they're they're so good on the outside with the defensive ends and the linebackers. If you're going to run that jet sweep, yeah, you might have a big play, but you might also take a five or six yard loss, and all of a sudden you're second and fifteen, second and sixteen behind the stick. Same goes for JMU, the stuff they like to try to do on the edge. But are you really going to have a lot of success trying to pound the ball up the middle? And I think it's a big part of the outcome. How are these coaches schematically as far as what concepts they're trying to use to attack the defense? What are they going to do? Or maybe we're totally wrong that both these teams with their defenses being so good, they're just going to feel each other out for a while. They're going to be like that boxing match of the heavyweights, maybe a few punches early, kind of going around the ring. And then here comes, you know, a flurry of, of plays are trying to go downfield. So I'm curious to see the mindset of the two offenses. Do they try to attack do they try to go after these defenses, or do they keep it fairly vanilla, try not to put their uh, their opposing defenses? So if you're the Bison offense, you don't want to put your defense backed up, so you're going to do what you traditionally do, try to win the field position game. I think that's, that's going to be a big storyline in this football game, but you're absolutely right. These defensive JMU guys, tell you what, JMU defensively this season has something like 131 tackles for loss. How mm-hmm. they succeed, they put opposing offenses behind the sticks where you and I, they were in second and long and third and long. And same with Weber State. And both those two schools, Weber State and you and I, are challenged and limited offensively. But they were playing behind the sticks all day. North Dakota State, to be successful against the Dukes, they're going to need to be in that second and six, second and five versus the first half in the 2017 game where they were second and 10, second and 12, or second and 15. This is Herded here with Swanee and 740 AM The Fan 107.3. Check out our show page at 740thefan.com. Go to the podcast link and go to Herded here or check out the Thunder and Herdcast brought to you by Norwood Sales. When we come back, we'll do a little bit of teasing of our game day predictions and we'll tell you the players we think outside of the names like a Trey Lance and Ben DiNucci and a Stapleton and Watson will give you some names of guys we think could have a tremendous impact on the football game. So stick around. You are spending your Saturday morning rocking the airwaves of Heard It Here Airlines. Put your seat backs and tray tables in their upright position because these are the friendly skies of football knowledge. And I'm your pilot along with co-pilot Chase Miller. We're talking about the FCS national title game here on Heard It Here with Swanee. Want to thank show sponsor Seaberg Power Sports, Welton's Tire Service, Yonkey Insurance, Altendorf Trucking and Express in Norwood. Sales, KFGO, the mighty 790 and 740 The Fan next Friday and Saturday from Frisco. We got wall-to-wall coverage for you. Make sure you stay tuned to 740 AM The Fan later today. We've got both AFC playoff games on these airwaves. The Bills and Titans from Houston kicking off at 3.35 p.m., followed by a 7.15 kick. It's the Tennessee Titans at the New England Patriots. Stick around, listen to that. Chase Miller's got FCS Saturday after this. Chase, we were talking during the break how special teams in the last few title games have really bit the bison in the backside. You you can even go back that Illinois State game. NDSU has a field goal, has an extra point block late that would have given them a three point lead. That ultimately, because Carson Wentz is Carson Wentz and RJ Erzendelski had three big catches, which in that game, 
RJ Erzendowski, the three catches from the freshman and Carson on the comeback, maybe one of the greatest drives and buys in history. To start the second half, NDSU kicked off. Illinois State fumbles the kick in their own red zone. The Bison only get a field goal. You go back to the James Madison game where the Bison punt, the punt average was terrible. They gave up big returns. They had a field goal blocked. They gave up a huge fake on a, a fake punt late in the game that could have cost them the ball game. And then last year, the fake field goal that Eastern Washington used before the half that kept them in the ball game. Man alive, you would think that in the last week and the week going forward, NDSU would be stressing special teams and the importance of that area. Yeah, the the one thing that NDSU has done well this year in special teams is punt return, right? The, there's always been a chance, but we've seen penalties. Flags, man. You know, we, we've seen 20, 15, 30-yard returns, and anytime you, you talk to a lot of coaches and you always hear one of two things on a punt return. Either A, get the football and don't let it bounce and roll possibly inside the 20 or take a 15, 20-yard roll because that really flips the field. So just go grab the football, call for a fair catch. It's it's kind of like putting the ball in play in baseball. Don't strike out. Just put the ball in play, make the defense have a play. Exactly. Or number two, if you can get a punt return and get 10, 15 yards. Now, all of a sudden, you got a first down that your offense doesn't have to worry about. And if you get any more than 10 yards, it's just gravy. So that's one area where NDSU has done well on. Kick return has been okay, but there's been times this year where Matt Entz has called out the special teams a little bit. And whether it's field goal kicking with Jake Reinholtz to Krosa to Will Cardinal, you know, we, we've seen that Go, go together, whether it's the punting game from Garrett Wagner, who's been up and down to a certain degree. He's been a lot better in the playoffs. Correct. And you have at times where you have given up a player to punt return or a kickoff return where you're playing the defense kicking off to the opposition. So Manance has harped on this for a very long time. And if you feel like that is the one weakness during winter camp, you got to be thinking that Coach Gazer and company are going through the fundamentals, the walkthrough of it, going back to the basics of what everything needs to do. Because I know it was at the end of the game, it didn't matter. But when Croson misses a 26 yard field goal in the Fargo Dome, in the back of your mind, you're going, if he misses a 30 yard field goal to start the first quarter, and it has to come down to a Croson kick in the fourth quarter. How confident are you going to be as a bison? You know what I mean? on the field, man. You're going for it. And, that, and, yeah. that, and that's where it kind of just circles back to it at the end of the day, Swanee. Well, that, that field goal, you're not kicking that because you want the points against Montana State. You want him to go out there, get some reps, do some kind of BP, if you will, in that game against the Bobcats. And then he misses a chip shot from 26. You go back, you know, talking about Frisco memories, the 2013 game in January 2014, the play of that game, it was 7-7. Towson was lining up for like a 45-yard field goal. That would have given them a 10-7 lead. Colton Hegel jams through the line, blocks the field goal. Kyle Emanuel scoops it up, races the other way, and then Ryan Smith puts in a touchdown, a play later, and the Bison are off to the races. That special team's play was the play of the game in that championship game, and you referenced uh, um, Voigtlander's yep. fake punt, mm-hmm. which flipped the tide in, in the 2011 title game. So I think special teams are going to be huge. And how many times have we seen Trevor Height almost break one? But we've seen these penalties and Kobe Johnson against Youngstown State House has won. Things like that, one play. 
I think one play is going to make the difference in this football game. And the question is, does NDSU make it or does JMU make it? And the one thing I'll say, you mentioned about players to watch out for. I think the tight ends for North Dakota State, they have been not dormant, but they have been quiet after the first couple of games. If you get Ben Ellison, if you get Josh Babbage, if you can Gendorf in certain situations, because if I'm James Madison, I'm probably trying to stop Christian Watson after the game that he had. Right. I am understanding that big man Watson, number one, can't beat us. So if you can get the running game going with Ty Brooks and Cofield to a point, can the tight ends be that difference maker in this game come next Saturday? Stick around for FCS Saturday with Chase Miller and Travis Dunn's got his around the rink hockey show. I'm taking Jimmy K, baby. Third down, Jimmy, Jimmy Kaporis. That's my guy that's going to jump out and have a big football game. Folks, join us in Frisco from the wild pitch on Friday starting that morning. KFGO, the Mighty 790 broadcasting live all day. And Saturday morning, we've got you covered here on these airways as North Dakota State goes for the 16th national championship in program history. And I tell you what, brothers and sisters, they're going to get it. For Chase Miller, I'm Josh Swanson reminding you that the strength of the herd is the bison, and the strength of the bison is the herd.